to stick around, just keep it to the Sid James laugh, all right? <laughs> so I'm here um, with uh, Joel Smith, who's who's a Shropshire Dungeon Master, I believe. So uh, he's on site at the castle with uh, some paraphernalia in front of him. So do you want to just explain what you're, uh, what you're up to, Joel? Yeah, uh, this weekend's all about running quick sample games, so just like little role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons, but a lot easier to learn so that people can just come, give it a try, see what it's all about, maybe take away a card and see um, how they feel. If people want to come back and give it a try for serious, then they're more than welcome to. Okay, that's brilliant. Um, so what sort of age range is this sort of based around? Is it for kids or...? Anybody can play so long as they're old enough to read and roll a dice. They're more than welcome to come join in. I've had people from, you know, 9 to 90 come and play. 90 may be an exaggeration, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> um, you know, all sorts of people come and play. It's, you know, it's been going since the 60s. So, you know, kids can play, adults can play. Um, but this one's very much one that anybody can just pick up and run with. Okay, cool. So is it, are you basically one of the, well, the only one that's doing this kind of thing in, in the Shropshire or the Shrewsbury area at the moment? In Shropshire, definitely. There's a friend of mine in Coventry who also runs Games for Hire, but I sort of cover Shropshire and environs. I might be at a charity gig in Staffordshire as well in the near future. I do events in Birmingham where I just go and I run games, but I'm also available for private hire as well, sort of running Dungeons & Dragons and games like it for birthday parties, stag do's, things like that. So it's something a bit different for anybody and everybody to give a try. Okay, that's awesome. So where, where can where can people find you? You know, is it, is it you on Facebook and stuff? I am on Facebook as the Shropshire DM. That's currently the only place you can find me. I've also got a phone number as well if people want to come and get a card from me down in the castle grounds. Um, but yeah, uh, Facebook is the best place to find me at the moment. Okay, cool. And it's one of the questions that we tend to ask most people on the Biscuit Podcast is what does shoes we mean to you? Shrewsbury is definitely a haven for nerdy people. Like everywhere I go, I sort of find more and more nerds. So it's like, it's very much home. It, it's somewhere that I've sort of made a lot of friends. I've sort of found a huge community, very, very similar to myself, and that that's what it is for me. Yeah, because there's been a, quite a bit of a spike in in like uh, nerdy kind of shops. There's a lot of uh, like it used to be just Games Workshop when I was younger. That was pretty much that was it. And the, and then the one by the the bingo. There's that one as well. But then ever since, it's pretty, it's, it seems to be everywhere right now, don't they? It's absolutely exploded, and things like this are just further proof of just how nerdy Shrewsbury can be. And the amount of people who I am surrounded with on all sides at this point, it, it's it's a huge day. And, you know, everybody's engaging with, like, the artists who are around me, a lot of people interested in the games that I'm running, a lot of people interested in the comic books and stuff like that. And the fact that, you know, we can support groups like, sort of, you know, Geek Out Southwest is the other group that I work for, um, and me, you know, it's, it, it's proof that. Uh, you know, Shrewsbury is a very, very nerdy place. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's awesome. So basically, yeah, if you want to have a go at Dungeons and Dragons, pop down to the Castle Ground, speak to Joel, and he'll look after you. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Okay, so we are from the Shrewsbury Biscuit. We are we're a local podcast, um, and we want to um, what we want to do is we want to showcase the talent that's taking part in this in this festival uh, this weekend. Um, so, first of all, would you like to introduce yourself? 
Yeah, okay. My name's Janet Dubofsky. I'm uh, Head of Psychology at the University of Roehampton, which is in London. Uh, so uh, you might guess I'm a psychologist. Wow. But I'm particularly interested in psychoanalysis, and I'm particularly interested in Carl Gustav Jung and his theories. And I'm here for this kind of comics convention because I'm interested in what comics might represent or characters in comics might represent at an unconscious level. Wow, that's wow. really interesting. That's cool. What do, what do you think they represent? What, what do you take from it? Well, you have to kind of get into the theory behind how one unpacks a question like that first. I don't know how long <laughs> you've got, but I'm going to speak on that for about an hour. Uh, yeah. Later this morning, I guess the, I guess the characters are so vast. There's so many different types of characters in the the, the comic book. It, go, it goes like this. It, it, in a sense, it goes like this. Stuff in the unconscious doesn't have any form. It doesn't have any content, but it has a lot of raw power. Wow! Right. Okay. That's the first thing. We as human beings can't tolerate formlessness and stuff without content. We just can't be having it. So as unconscious stuff comes to the surface of consciousness, we have to clothe it. That's what we do. Wow. We use our imaginations to clothe it. So we make characters up to represent these dark forces that come up. Is it always dark? or is it? Well, that's an interesting question. I think, you see, Freud kind of suggested that what's down there is stuff that we've repressed. It's unresolved, traumatic stuff. So that would be a bit dark. There's also, of course, down there, the instincts, our aggression, our sexuality. Now, that might not necessarily be dark as such, but it is to our kind of cultural sensibilities more or less not acceptable. And that's why, for example, and this is one of Freud's theories, we have things like dirty jokes. If you, if you turn something sexual into a joke, it's acceptable. Whereas in normal discourse, it's considered not acceptable to overtly talk about sexual matters. But of course, we are sexual creatures instinctively. Is that, is that why when you've had a few beers, people tend to get <laughs> emotional? They're kind of, oh, I love you, man. You well, know? Of course, well, of course, when one relaxes, yeah. and that might be after a few beers or all kinds of recreational substances that people <laughs> might use for this or even just relaxing in Lack the sauna. Sleep. You know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it does, it does relax the um, defences that we would normally have that get in the way of this unconscious stuff coming up. It's really interesting. It's crazy. Yeah. So where does that fall into, into comic books? Into then? comic books. Yeah. Well, if you look at the various characters, let's take Superman. Superman is, amongst other things, a hero. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe the most powerful hero on the planet. Not just this planet, actually, when <laughs> I think about it. <laughs> but, Many a planet, yes. And, um, <laughs> and the idea of the hero is archetypal. That there is something about the idea of being a rescuer or being rescued, which is deep in our unconscious. And it maybe comes from our childhood when we're very, very vulnerable. You know, yeah. We need our parents, maybe our dads, maybe our mums, to save us from all kinds of perils that are around us when we're little. 
So the idea of the hero is archetypal. It's central. It's important. And, and, and with comic books, do you, do you think it kind of educates a person to become more instinctive in situations like that? Or? Comic books and actually stories, myths, works of art, content, plays, yeah. content, I think acts like a kind of an insulation against bad things happening to you. That if you, for example, watch a difficult situation unfold in EastEnders, <laughs> someone's been robbed, yeah. someone's been careless, someone left their keys unattended, it insulates you. The next time you go out, oh, where are my keys? Mm. You know, that's just a, that's a, that's a small example. I mean, there are kind of bigger and darker examples. There are lots of people out there, for example, that are a bit tricky. And um, in in psychology, and particularly young in psychology, there's there's there's, a, there's an archetype called the trickster archetype. Now, characters like Loki, you know, in Thor, Thor's yeah. brother, yeah. he's a trickster. The god of mischief, yeah. He's a, yeah, he's a trickster. Um, and Nancy, a spider god, yeah. is a trickster. Spider-Man is just the latest version of a Nancy, yeah. you know. So these archetypes have always been there over the centuries, and each generation clothes them in a slightly different way. Now... Everyone's been tricked, you know. We've all, we've all had someone that we know come to us and say, um, forgot my wallet, you haven't got a fiver, so I can get lunch, I'll pay you back tomorrow. Yeah. And tomorrow never comes, and the next day never comes. <laughs> and it's only a fiver, and you might kind of mention it just to another colleague, you know, Mick over there, I gave him a fiver. And, Don't you know. trust Mick. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You see, exactly, because we've all been there. Yeah. Now, being tricked out of a fiver, that's neither here nor there. A tenner? Hurts a little bit more. Tricked out of your house. Yeah. People have been tricked out of their homes. Elderly mm. people tricked out of their inheritance. Mm. You know, there are lots of tricky people out there. So myths, fairy tales, comic books are full of trickster archetypes. And when we read and enter the kind of fictitious world of trickery, it kind of insulates us. It, it, you know, we take it on board... And then perhaps when we're out in the real world and we bump into a character that's just a bit tricky, we're kind of more able to recognise them. Mm. And, and It's it, almost like it's a defensive. therapy for us as well. well we look, sort of put well, ourselves in that situation. Well, it is. I mean, if, you know, as far as Jung is concerned, storytelling, myths, play, all of these things are first and foremost therapy. Do you, you think know? it's therapy for the reader or the writer? I think it's a bit of both. I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. I think it's a bit of both. You know, I think, I think the writer, in a sense, has always been a therapist for everybody. Yeah. You know, they, they might not see themselves as therapists, but they jolly well are. I envy comic book creators, or creators of any kind, uh, music, uh, art, you know, because they are architects, and they can take these images and these ideas in their mind, and they can just make something with it. I mean, all I do is get a microphone and talk. That's what, that's what I do. And I wish I could do something like that because to take those images from your head, do you think it kind of almost deletes it from your mind? It kind of... Because they all say, don't they? Well, it's interesting because I was um, through the other room not all that long ago talking to um, an animator, an artist, about all of this stuff. And yeah. what I said to him is, OK, when you start thinking about a character that you're going to develop as an artist you might create a kind of conscious image in your mind of what they might look like. 
you consciously decide what materials you're going to use. You know, I need a big sheet of paper, I need a smaller sheet of paper, I'm going to use pen and ink, or I'm going to use paint. All of these are conscious decisions. But once you enter into that creative process and you start making this thing, a mysterious and curious phenomenon takes place. It's as if the making of it takes over and it changes. And you forget that consciously constructed image of what it was that you intended to make because this thing is, has a more powerful pull upon us. And when it's finished, sometimes it's almost completely different from what we thought we were going to make, or sometimes it's only slightly different. Just a but then bit the reader mystery. still interprets it slightly different. So I imagine in, in everybody's head it's a slightly different version. Although you're seeing that drawing and you know in that yeah. image of it you'd still interpret that completely differently see my see my point is that that mysterious process is an unconscious one that you start off being conscious but then the unconscious takes over right and and there is something about the imagination whether you use that you know making music or drawing or in theater you know imagination is the thing that helps us to bridge our conscious mind and our unconscious mind that, that's the big lesson for mm. me, that we evolved consciousness, I mean, sorry, imagination, to form this bridge. So what do you, what do you make of um, the guys that are a little bit old, a bit too old to be living with mom, collects a lot of comic books, <laughs> still avidly reads comic books as compared to a child? Um, do you think there's much difference between them or do you, what's your, uh, your take on that? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with those kinds of characters. No? I'm not one of them. No, no, it's not a bad thing. I mean, I've, I I've, I've, never, I've never grown up and I don't see it as a bad thing. I think it's probably that. I think it, there's a lot of the time, for, from my experience of, of, of meeting these sort of characters, is that they almost don't want to let grow up or they want to hold on to that childhood inside them and, and, and have that belief, maybe. I actually know quite a few, and I think about it, I know quite a few people that have got several hundred weights, if not tons, of stacks of motorcycle magazines. Yeah, or, never, or, re- never read anymore. Well, they might have read it when it first came through the door, mm. but they can't let go of them. And they just stack them up yeah. and stack them up and stack them up. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I get the, the comic book because we there was a lady at the, the auction last night. She was like, I'm like three issues away from collecting my Robin collection. And I, I see that as a, as a cool thing to have a whole collection yeah, or something. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's but she openly said, I haven't read them all. Yeah. yeah She's like, I've just got the collection, but I've never read them all. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Like uh, to have that, to have that, you know, I've got it. I've got it. You know, that's the whole collection. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, of course that can be very, very therapeutic. But can't it also be a form of neurosis? Yeah, <laughs> you know I guess. I you sort of think, what happens when you finish that collection? Do you like? Is that it? Are you happy that you've completed that collection, or is it now you have to start something else because you always have to keep that collection going and things? Oh, I, I, I'm in the, I'm, I'm on I'm on speculative ground. Here <laughs> we might have to ask her that later. We'll have to yeah. get get her on the show yeah. and sort of say, you know, yeah. what happens when you get those final three. Um, so, so what are your, your most astounding kind of findings whilst you're doing your research on this? Then? Well, today I'm particularly interested in zombies. Yeah, the Charlie Adlati. Yeah, right. Zombies. It seems to me that zombies have really caught the imagination mm. and they're everywhere. They're in comic books, they're in films, they're on TV. They're certainly everywhere in Shrewsbury today. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're just everywhere. So if you think, you know, what's, what does the zombie represent? 
what does the zombie represent in the unconscious? Why, why, and why, why, why do we have so many zombies in the world right now? Yeah. Big question. You know, what, so what do they represent about our unconscious fears? Um, That's the question. The way I think about it is like kind of new world or new world order. You know, it's kind of like let's do, let's start the world all over. The, the zombies are almost superficial they're kind of just that's just what happened you know now we get to do this our way and we get to go and find a, a mall live there eat doritos for the rest of our lives and sit on uh, lazy boys and watch tv that's that's how i think about the zombie apocalypse but obviously i still think people use it as a, as a coping mechanism that so that they're not scared of what's going to happen in the future that if they can make it a fun situation now they're not going to worry oh because there was a time when people were really concerned that like a zombie apocalypse is totally going to happen and what were we going to do where were we going to go and now i think because they've made it so accessible i guess i think it was shane actually that mentioned on the biscuit a while ago on the facebook page if there was a zombie apocalypse in shrewsbury (laughs) where would you go and it started off this amazing conversation and where you want to go but as far as zombies are concerned i guess the appeal to kind of kill and not feel um uh, I don't know, remorse, remorse and, it, yeah. and guilt about it. I, I'm, I, I'm looking at it from a rather different angle. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I am looking at it from a rather different angle. I've got a 10-year-old son yeah. who spends, will spend all day on a screen if I let him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's got a lot of mates, some younger, a lot older, into their teens, who have a screen in front of them all of the time almost. And you can put your hand between their eyes and the screen... <laughs> and they do not blink. And you can come in from work and say, hi, how is everybody? And they do not look up from the screen. To all intents and purposes, they are zombies. Mm. They are zombified. Wow. And they're watching zombies in a zombified state. How, from a psychological perspective, how do you understand that? Now, one way to understand that is this. Look at a newspaper, and you might find on a particular page a rather small column about climate change, or as it's starting to be called, climate emergency. Yeah. And how, and how serious it is. And there's some giant yeah. thing about Katy Perry on the front, you know. <laughs> no, but then you turn the page, and there's a whole page ad for the latest Ford four-wheel yeah. drive four-litre diesel engine car. Now, when our kids see this, on the one hand, we're talking about the planet being seriously in danger Mm -hmm. and how burning carbon is responsible for this. And on the other hand, they see on the street more and more cars with two, three or four exhaust pipes sticking out the back. Mm. What are they going to make of that? What are they going to make of that? What do they make of us, the adults who are supposed to be taking responsibility for them in the world, when the world is so contradictory? I guess that small, that small little bit at the front of the page is just, it's just gone, isn't it? You're it's looking just at gone. The car. It's just gone. And, you know, and I'm wondering whether you know, they're hiding behind the screens because what's out there in the real world is actually a little bit more scary than that. Yeah. It's even scarier than the zombies. So that's my hypothesis. That's, tr- that's really like the most interesting thing I've like so heard. It's almost like a holiday. In your, in your, so you're kind, of, you're kind of taking a break. Kind of like, yeah. okay, this isn't happening. 
let's go yeah. play on the Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I get that. I mean, last night, the first thing I did, I, I, we, we finished uh, the opener last night. I was saying to Jody, I'm so tired. Oh, I'm going to be up in the morning. I came home and threw the Xbox on because I was like, I need to unwind. I like to unwind because if I go to something busy and go try to go sleep, it's just all going on in my head still, you know, so I need that yeah. moment. But then that's also the norm because like these were laughing at me today. I don't have a TV in my house. And so many people think it's such a strange thing that I and don't... She does have I a TV. Do. I don't she does have a TV. It plays fire, apparently. Like, it, it, like my fire display is on a TV screen, <laughs> but like I don't have a TV aerial. I don't oh, watch okay. TV, things like this. Personal choice. But people, that, to a lot of people, is really weird. But I'm like, oh, I just don't want to watch... I just don't want to watch the TV. <laughs> but to, to some people, they're like, I'm strange. But then to me, other people that are sitting focused on... Like yourself, yeah. or like you, you, your games and things like that. I find that a strange way of relaxing. Yeah, I guess everybody's got their kind of vice, haven't they? Is that right? Well, is it a vice? Is it a vice? I mean, I think that sometimes, you know, the real world out there is so pressured. Yeah. Um, and and has so much stress associated with it that we we just need ways to kind of switch that off. Yeah. You know, and that, and that is therapeutic. You know, you know, I. But is it a healthy way? If it if it switches it off and gives us some downtime, mm. it's that's healing. I bet Why even not? cavemen looked at the fire and thought that's beautiful. <laughs> Just stared at it. <laughs> I've been hunting wildebeest all day. That's beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to stare at this for a little bit on board. Yeah, um, yeah. It's really it's really interesting. So where are you going to be going today to to look at the the, the, the zombie aspect of things today? Uh, I'm uh, not sure because I I'm just focused on giving my paper in quarter of an hour here Ooh, mm-hmm. wow. in quarter of an hour uh, and then I can relax my nipper who's 10 and his mum are I think at this very moment working with the Jedi Master oh Andrew Lorden oh I was sat next to him last night at the yeah. launch yeah that would be great how to fight with lightsabers, lightsabers. that's so cool I hope that when I see them later for lunch, they've still got all four <laughs> limbs. <laughs> That's quite cool. And he's a really big, like I'm he's six foot tall, tall and he was, he's a big guy. I was yeah. like, he's, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's quite intimidating sort of looking character. So that, I'm sure that's really fun. Is there, is there anything, sorry, I didn't mean to, is there anything you're looking forward to seeing yourself today after you've kind of winding down? Or, or you well, actually, I mean, I am fascinated by zombies and, the, and I do want to go and see the zombie thing, but I don't know whether my wife will allow Oscar to yeah. go because he's only 10 yeah. but he does so want to go he yeah. hasn't dressed up then there's a lot of a lot of dress up as zombies today oh I didn't know that yeah there's a full zombie walk I think is one o'clock I think there's uh, a full yeah, zombie walk through the town yeah. of like people that can dress up so you know if you can find an outfit pretty quick you can, <laughs> you, <laughs> you you can put you in it Thank you so much for joining us on the Shrewsbury Biscuit. Pleasure. Thank um, you very, very much. Thank yeah, you. Thank you for uh, helping us with this festival as well because it's Great. such a big yeah. deal. Enjoy yeah. your weekend. We, uh, we think it will be amazing. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.